Welcome to the ISA Science of Arboriculture podcast series. This series was developed by the International Society of Arboriculture to bring you the latest research-based information on tree care. We will be providing full-length educational talks by the world's top researchers, educators, and practitioners, keeping you up to date with new developments in arboriculture. Today's lecture is by Daniel Bertram, who is with the Center for Urban Greening and Ecology in Singapore. Daniel studies rooting conditions, tree health care, and advanced diagnostics for urban trees. This podcast features his talk on evaluating the relationship between urban soils and street tree performance in Singapore. It was originally presented to the ISA Annual Conference in Parramatta, Australia, so just to get started, I can't assume that everyone in this room knows where Singapore is. Uh, I can be honest, my mother had no idea where it was before I moved there. Um, I know there are a few other Singaporeans um, in this room who will probably know some of uh, these topics a little bit better than I do, so you can feel free to correct me if I, if I mistake anything. But Singapore is uh, a self-governing city-state that's situated at the southern tip of the Malay Peninsula uh, in Southeast Asia. It's often referred to perhaps uh, in jest as the little red dot by its uh, geographically uh, larger neighbors. It often appears on world maps as simply a, uh, a dot with its name next to it. Uh, it's uh, located one degree north of the equator, so it's in the, the tropical uh, equatorial rainforest belt. Um, the daily temperature varies between about 24 degrees uh, at night all the way up to 32 degrees uh, during the day. There's virtually no uh, seasonal variation, simply that, that diurnal march from 24 up to 32 and back down again. Uh, we get about 2,400 millimeters of rain every year. On average, we get uh, a lot of rain. Uh, before development, Singapore consisted mainly of uh, primary rainforests, lowland dipterocarp uh, rainforests, also some areas of uh, coastal forests, saltwater mangrove swamps, and freshwater swamps as well. If you zoom in a little bit closer and, and take a, a more detailed look at the, the Republic of Singapore, you can tell that it consists of mainly one large uh, island and several outlying uh, minor islands as well. Um, in total, the, the largest island has about 710 square kilometers of land area. Five million people uh, call Singapore their home. It has a very active, uh, fast-moving market-based economy. In 2010, uh, the economy grew at an, an annualized rate of 14.5 percent, uh, a rate that was only succeeded in, in that year by Qatar. So you can you can kind of um, imagine the the amount of activity and development and construction that's going on uh, within Singapore. It's a very active place. A couple of uh, geographic features that are perhaps worth pointing out include the central business district. It's down here in the, the central southern part of the island. Uh, some industrial areas out here uh, in the west. Uh, the central nature reserve in the center of the island with uh, rainwater catchments uh, uh, contained within that central nature reserve and also the international airport out here in the, in the eastern part. If you've flown into Singapore, certainly you've gone through Changi. Uh, and there are residential areas and businesses uh, scattered amongst all those land use areas as well.
Now, Singapore has had a long history of cultivating trees, uh, especially in its, in its recent history. Singapore was established as uh, a trading post under the British East India Trading Company uh, in 1819 by Sir Stamford Raffles. Uh, it was later adopted as a formal British colony and prospered under the British until it achieved uh, full independence and self-governance on the 9th of August uh, in 1965. And since that time, um, the urban forest in Singapore has uh, really prospered and, and thrived, particularly under the, the leadership and as a result of the vision of its first prime minister, uh, Mr. Lee Kuan Yew. Uh, Mr. Uh, Lee Kuan Yew had a vision of Singapore as a, a garden city, a place that was not only uh, efficient and business friendly and uh, a safe place for uh, foreign direct investment, but also a place that had lots and lots of trees uh, along the streets and in the parks and gardens that provided uh, the much needed uh, shade from the, the scorching tropical sun. Um, and since its independence, there have been a number of kind of noteworthy tree-related um, events and activities, including uh, a formal tree planting campaign that um, funneled a lot of money into uh, planting the, the street trees uh, in, in 1963. Uh, Singapore uh, gained independence and self-governance in 65. In 67, uh, a Garden City campaign was established to coordinate um, uh, multi-agency activities related to the greening and management of urban greenery in Singapore under the Garden City campaign in 67. Uh, National Tree Planting Day in 1971, uh, a revised um, a city in a garden strategy seeking to um, uh, modernize the Garden City strategy to, among other things, uh, seek to increase biodiversity within the urban forest. and um, a component of that was a comprehensive urban forestry master plan called the Streetscape Greenery Master Plan uh, that was drafted and adopted in 2003. I think um, this is just one image that kind of portrays the, the typical urban landscape in Singapore. Um, I do think it embodies the, the kind of characteristic uh, piecemeal overlap of natural and man-made features within Singapore. Uh, this is a view from my apartment building um, in Singapore, and uh, you can see that you know there's a really dense uh, tree canopy at the ground layer kind of permeated at different areas by high-rise apartment blocks. And I think that's, um, to me, that's a really nice um, element of, of Singapore's landscape, and it's fairly characteristic for all neighborhoods as well. Uh, in terms of managing this uh, natural resource, that responsibility falls to the National Park Board. Uh, it was established in 1990. You can see its mission there. It's basically the, the coordinating body for managing all of the greenery in uh, streets, um, parks, gardens, and, and nature reserves uh, within the island. And uh, I work for a division of NParks called uh, CUGE, or the Center for Urban Greenery and Ecology. It was established more recently in 2007 um, to be a, a regional center for advancing and sharing knowledge basically related to urban greening. Uh, it pursues that mission through two major thrusts, mainly providing uh, professional development uh, and certification training for um, landscape practitioners and um, green industry professionals seeking to uh, seeking opportunities for professional development and also through applied uh, research projects in a lot of different areas evaluating uh, plant materials for different purposes and also evaluating different uh, management strategies to improve uh, our approach to managing this this resource and I work with other scientists um, within CUGE that uh, conduct applied research um, we have uh, folks working in arboriculture and soil science and turfgrass science, and even individuals who specialize in, in vertical greenery and, and rooftop greenery as well. So this particular project is seeking to evaluate 
um, uh, the relationship between uh, street uh, soil quality characteristics and, and uh, street tree uh, growth performance and, and vitality. And um, so it's, it's, it's a, it's a hybrid project basically between arboriculture and, and soil science. Uh, we have a very uh, vast uh, street tree resource within Singapore. It's about, uh, we manage within end parks about 1.3 uh, million street trees. Uh, a, a lot of these uh, are coming into maturity now after their initial planting during the, the 60s and 70s. So we've got a lot of nice areas of really uh, mature street trees. This is just one example of what uh, street, uh, street tree planting might look like. Um, in Singapore, you've got uh, very neat and tidy infrastructure, uh, very well-maintained uh, plants. Um, this is a, actually a heritage road. It's kind of been set aside and denoted as a, a, a street with kind of uh, noteworthy landscape aesthetics that is uh, worthy of long-term preservation. It's a road called Yuan Ching Road. Uh, these are some specimens of uh, Kaya Senegalensis or Senegal mahogany in the center divider. Um, these individuals, I think, are, are really nice. Uh, they're ranging between about 31 and 32 uh, meters tall. So a really nice example of uh, what a street tree can look like in this kind of environment. Um, so because we have this vast resource and, and, and we value it uh, so closely at, at a national level, we devote a lot of resources to intensely manage uh, street trees within Singapore. Uh, they are inspected in terms of uh, health and uh, structural stability on an annual basis um, uh, by trained arborists in most cases. Uh, they get a lot of attention in terms of fertilization and, and pruning uh, at a fairly regular interval. So we, we quite intensively manage um, street trees, and in particular the above ground portions, the portions that are uh, easily accessible and, and um, easily uh, visually assessed by, uh, by our staff. But at the same time, we acknowledge and appreciate that the root environment in particular uh, influences critical aspects of tree health and is also uh, an important aspect of uh, tree health and stability and vitality that we need to manage on a, on a long-term basis as well, in addition to the uh, portions that exist above ground and perhaps are more easily accessible. Uh, the root environment uh, provides uh, and influences water availability and structural support, uh, among other things, and, and fosters uh, crucial and important microbial associations. Um, all of which we kind of practically accept and appreciate uh, daily. We also accept that there are many natural processes that are present in uh, forested ecosystems that are largely um, uh, altered or removed perhaps from the urban environment. Things like hydrologic cycles and, and uh, nutrient cycles and the soil formation process happen at a vastly different scale or rate in the urban environment than, uh, than they would in a, in a natural system. You can imagine that uh, urban landscapes are often far more sterile, have a lot less organic matter, and uh, suffer from uh, reduced nutrient availability and things like that. And as a consequence, we kind of uh, practically also appreciate that some uh, common qualities or characteristics of urban soils can be detrimental or harmful for plant growth. And I think everyone anecdotally or perhaps uh, on the back of the envelope takes notes of these, these uh, problems that we come across and associate with uh, poor plant performance on, on a fairly regular basis. Things like limited soil volumes and, and compacted profiles and uh, infrastructure conflicts and construction debris. This is a, a traffic median that was being excavated for planting uh, in, a, in an American city. I won't tell you which one. Um, and this is, you know, perhaps a, a worst case scenario of the kinds of conflicts that, that you might encounter below ground. And these things would obviously inhibit 
uh, the development and growth of, of root systems. Um, so we have a very keen interest to um, uh, improve our management efforts to uh, foster uh, healthy, uh, stable root systems uh, within Singapore. And we also kind of in parallel admit and acknowledge that there are often uh, certain qualities or characteristics of urban soils that seem to be at an anecdotal or kind of uh, observational level uh, detrimental for, for plant growth. Uh, what we really lack is a, a precise, well-defined, uh, quantitative description of the, the uh, root environment in Singapore, particularly in a, a very tropical urban setting like Singapore. Um, so what we set out to do is conduct uh, a long-term research project basically to achieve a couple of objectives, including first to characterize the roadside soil uh, quality in terms of uh, its uh, physical, chemical, and biological properties. This is uh, simply to uh, provide a thorough description of uh, the typical kind of uh, conditions of Singapore's roadside soils, and uh, also to evaluate whether any, there are any potential spatial uh, differences in uh, the, the street uh, soil conditions and uh, associations between soil changes in soil conditions and, and uh, land use uh, changes, for example. And also, perhaps equally importantly, to uh, compare uh, tree growth performance uh, above ground and uh, long-term tree health with these determined soil quality characteristics to ascertain which uh, soil properties either inhibit or promote plant growth so that we can um, perhaps ob objectively um, prioritize management strategies to improve uh, long-term root health. Uh, so the focus of our study was obviously the, uh, what we call the roadside verge. You might call it something else. Uh, I've heard people call it the hell strip or uh, tree planting strip. It can be called a variety of things. But this is really what we're focusing on characterizing in, in Singapore, uh, the strip of land between the, the curb and the, the sidewalk and often a, a subsurface drain over here in Singapore. But there are a couple of features of Singapore's uh, street tree planting environment that are perhaps worth uh, pointing out as different from uh, Western uh, models or, or uh, models in, in many other Southeast Asian cities as well. Uh, above ground, what we would commonly see is uh, building, minimum building setback distances, uh, providing a little bit more room above ground for, for canopy development and the formation of um, uh, a full set of branches for the trees. Uh, the second thing about the, this environment that's perhaps worth pointing out is that the utilities are all buried. So uh, while you, you may often deal with uh, electrical transmission lines and, and cables and, and telephone lines and, and many other places in Singapore, uh, that infrastructure component is all, is all buried. So fortunately, we have a lot of room and a lot of space uh, above ground for canopy development. Uh, and this is kind of what it looks like uh, below ground in, in the standard uh, street verge in, in Singapore. Uh, so while we have a lot of room above ground for the uh, tree crown development, we have uh, some limitations below ground that could uh, impede the development of, of the root system. Um, those utilities, as I mentioned, are buried uh, underground within this tree planting strip. They're supposed to be buried at depths greater than one meter, but oftentimes it, it might be a little bit higher than that. Every time uh, these uh, utilities uh, need to be um, repaired or maintained, obviously we need to trench uh, along the, that, uh, that location to gain access to them, so root systems can be damaged occasionally. And the, the available soil volume in this uh, location can often be constrained or impeded by, by two major features. First, the, simply the, the carriageway and a, and a compacted sub-base that supports that carriageway. 
Uh, the depth, the minimum depth for this feature is about 72 or 73 centimeters. Um, and at the other side of the tree planting strip, we deal with this uh, uh, subsurface drain. The design of the subsurface drain can vary depending on peak flows during, during rainfall, but uh, the minimum depth of, of this drain in particular is at least one meter. So we're really constrained below ground by this, these two features in particular, the, the, the roadway and, and compacted subbase and the, the subsurface drain. So uh, we set out to uh, make this uh, simple comparison on a fairly large scale between uh, urban soil quality and uh, tree plant performance. And uh, I'd like to now just describe um, our sampling strategy, how we collected the samples and what kind of tree measurements, measure, measurements we took, and then uh, review some of the data with you. So the first thing we did was we decided to focus on the main island of Singapore exclusively. Uh, we're not considered with um, any of the small or outlying islands, um, we focused uh, on that large main island and we uh, broke the, the main island down into five administrative regions. These are administrative regions that are established by the government of Singapore. They contain uh, a roughly approximate amount of developed land within, within each of them. So it seemed like a pretty logical way to kind of stratify the uh, available geographic space within Singapore. Within each uh, region, we selected uh, purposefully selected uh, four major roads for uh, sampling. So uh, we selected these roads based on a couple of features, including uh, the intensity of their use uh, and also their length. We wanted to select uh, the longest roads with a reasonable degree of spatial variability within or spatial distribution uh, within each region, and we used the uh, geospatial analysis software to help us identify which roads would be uh, the best candidates based on those criteria. Along the length of each road, we um, identified three sampling locations, uh, more or less positioned somewhere in the beginning, middle, and end of each road uh, segment. Uh, the, the exact location of these uh, sampling locations is obviously kind of constrained by uh, the above ground conditions, and um, uh, we selected those visually. Uh, what I can do now is perhaps uh, zoom into one individual sampling location and, and, and show you what the, the sampling structure looked like uh, at each sampling location. I'll switch to an aerial image. Uh, at each sampling location, we um, held uh, and maintained six replicated sampling units. Basically, uh, we collected soil samples at each of these um, uh, individual locations. Uh, there are three uh, basic positions separated by about 50 uh, linear meters along the road, uh, positioned directly opposite one another uh, along the street. At each individual replicated sampling unit, we sampled uh, soil at three depths. Uh, the first depth was between 0 and 30 centimeters. The second was between 30 and 50 centimeters. And the last one was between 50 and 100 centimeters. So we're characterizing soil quality uh, all the way down to, to one meter at each of these locations. Uh, composite soil samples were formed by taking uh, five uh, individual samples from the corners and center of one uh, square meter at the surface to account for some spatial variability. I think that's a pretty common practice in soil sampling. And then individual forms were then, uh, uh, individual samples were formed from those uh, at each individual depth. And uh, it's also worth noting perhaps now that uh, tree performance and tree growth and vitality was assessed for the nearest or closest three tree specimens uh, nearby each individual replicated sampling unit. So we're kind of characterizing the soil in one location and then assessing the tree performance for the, the closest three specimens nearby. This just gives you an idea of the kind of uh, roads that we were working on. 
uh, in Singapore, um, ranging from fairly high-intensity uh, highways, uh, such as the one on the left here, to uh, moderate to high-intensity thoroughfares or avenues, such as the one um, on the right. Now, um, in Singapore and in many other places in Southeast Asia, um, labor is much more uh, accessible than capital. So these uh, soil samples were collected manually using good old-fashioned uh, labor. And uh, they were collected using um, 50 millimeter uh, cylindrical steel cores. Uh, basically, the, the core was inserted into each individual uh, sampling um, location, pounded into the specified depth, then uh, removed. Um, the undisturbed soil sample was then removed from the core and placed in a, in a labeled plastic bag. Uh, and we would kind of reinsert the cylinder back into the same hole and uh, pound it back into the, the second depth and repeat up to the, the third and final depth. Uh, so I guess I've kind of described a lot of different numbers and, and uh, features there. So um, just to kind of give you a, a summary of all of those individual uh, considerations, we, we sampled soil along uh, 20 major roads, uh, three locations per road, so that's uh, 60 sampling locations. 360 replicated sampling units. We used 5,400 um, individual soil samples to form 1,080 composite soil samples, and we also assessed the, the growth performance of 1,080 roadside trees next to each uh, replicated sampling unit. We uh, used these markers basically to give us a, a physical uh, marker or indication of the location of each of the replicated sampling units uh, in addition to, to GPS readings that would help us to go back to that same site if we did need to revisit it, and um, we have visited each site at least two times. Uh, the soil uh, samples will be uh, analyzed in the laboratory for the, these um, major characteristics within uh, physical, chemical, and, and biological properties, um, including bulk density, particle size analysis, aggregate stability, pH, EC, the available nutrients, heavy metals, organic matter content, and as indications of microbiological activity, microbial biomass, and microbial um, respiration. Uh, some of these tests are being conducted in our in-house laboratory in Singapore, and we're also collaborating with uh, a laboratory at a university, agriculture university, in southern India to uh, perform the remaining, uh, remaining tests. In terms of the tree growth measurements, uh, these are the measurements we took of each individual specimen. Uh, we measured uh, tree growth, um, primary growth and secondary growth were assessed by taking uh, two measurements of diameter and height, respectively, with a six-month period of time uh, in between each measurement. Uh, we measured diameter at, uh, with a, with a uh, diameter tape, basically, one meter above the, the highest uh, soil line around each specimen. Uh, we performed these measurements uh, in exactly the same way each time with the same measurement tools so that any difference in the value would, could be attributed to increases in, in either primary or, or secondary growth. Uh, we measured height with a laser rangefinder fitted with a digital level um, and normalized uh, the differences between these two values using the relative growth rate for diameter and height, the formulas listed there on the uh, screen. We also assessed uh, foliar chlorophyll content using a SPAD meter. We randomly selected uh, three leaves from the lower canopy and um, formed a, a composite reading for each specimen based on average readings from the leaf midrib. We visually assessed the health of each specimen on a scale from zero to three and also assessed the, the age of each individual specimen again on a scale from zero to three. 
Uh, we recorded a couple of site characteristics, including the roadside verge width, defined as the distance between uh, the curb and the drain. Again, those two kind of um, subterranean uh, limiting features of the, the tree planting environment. Um, this is a, a quantitative estimate um, or representation of available soil volume. And also, uh, again, GPS coordinates of each location. So obviously, we can do um, a, a lot of interesting analyses with this data set. It's a pretty big um, data set. Uh, we can ask uh, a lot of different questions and make a lot of different comparisons. But I thought perhaps what would be interesting um, today is to use um, our data to challenge uh, one common assumption of the street tree planting environment. And that, that assumption is quite often practically we uh, assume that uh, compacted soils and limited soil volumes are inhibitory or detrimental to, to uh, tree growth. And um, although practically we can um, associate these uh, features and phenomena together, it's quite uh, useful at the same time to use uh, this kind of data or uh, objectively collected data to uh, challenge these assumptions and prove their validity or, or disprove their validity. Um, but perhaps before we go into the, the comparison and take a look at the data, it would be worthwhile to review a couple of parameters related to compacted soil and soil volume and, and their relationship to tree growth. So this is just a, a result of a quick literature search, some prominent facts that are perhaps worth considering uh, when we take a look at the data. First of all, uh, typical urban um, bulk density values or urban soil bulk density values range between uh, 1.4 and 1.65 grams per cubic centimeter. That's, that's the representation of, of soil compaction, basically. It's an important um, physical characteristic of urban soils. Uh, the typical bulk densities will change depending on soil texture, so you would expect lower bulk densities for more finely textured soils uh, and, and higher bulk densities for more coarsely uh, textured soils. We're mostly dealing in Singapore with lateritic uh, clay soils, typical uh, tropical clays. Uh, we also have some areas, interestingly enough, of uh, very sandy soils. Singapore has a lot of areas of reclaimed land where they fought, fought sand from uh, neighboring countries and, and extended their land uh, area for uh, the airport, for example. So that area is actually very sandy. But um, by and large, most of the original areas are, are clays. Uh, it's also been reported that root penetration can be inhibited or prohibited at uh, levels above 1.5 grams per cubic centimeter. There are, you know, a couple of researchers have attempted to describe the, the amount of soil volume that's required to support um, different uh, tree specimens uh, in the urban landscape. One estimation provided by Lindsay and Basic is 0.06 cubic centimeters per of soil per 0 0.09 uh, square meters of crown projection area. That's converted from imperial to metric. In, in imperial measurement, it's a lot cleaner um, association, but uh, that's been uh, um, converted. And in terms of the relationship between these two soil, physical soil quality characteristics and tree growth, um, we often um, can say that uh, secondary growth is often preliminarily limited during periods of, of uh, water stress, we would expect com more highly compacted soils to perhaps uh, have uh, lower infiltration rates for, for water, and uh, specimens growing in compacted soil could perhaps experience uh, some uh, drought stress. We would expect in those cases for secondary growth to be inhibited uh, before primary growth. So we should see changes in, in plant diameter uh, before we would see changes in, in plant height growth. Uh, so for the comparison that we'll make here, we'll use the the diameter growth measurements that is perhaps more sensitive to these changes than the, the height growth measurements. 
Barbara Fair, in her uh, PhD dissertation at Ohio State in 2005, compared the effects of uh, different soil compaction treatments on uh, red maple cultivars, and she reported that uh, lower caliper growth rates and foliar chlorophyll contents were associated with more highly compacted soils. Um, so she reported um, in agreement that uh, caliper growth or secondary growth was limited for these specimens, while uh, primary growth or height growth was not limited uh, compared to the uncompacted controls. And uh, she also reported for uh, the more highly compacted soils, uh, these soils had lower soil oration porosity and also lower saturated hydraulic conductivity. So bearing all of this in mind, um, we can take a look at some of our results. Uh, because our, our, our sample wasn't purely random, it wasn't randomly selected, we, we um, inserted some bias into some our selections. We can't say that uh, these uh, results are purely representative or perfectly representative of the urban forest in Singapore, but looking at uh, those uh, species lists, I can tell you that it's uh, roughly accurate, that we in Singapore have uh, a high proportion of the species at the uh, top of the list represented in our urban forest and the species at the bottom of this list are fairly less frequently um, represented. Uh, we sampled a total of uh, 32 different tree species uh, through the course of our sampling work. Uh, the majority of the species that we measured were uh, Samania saman, uh, Peltiform, Pericarpum, Caia senegalensis, and uh, Swietenia macrophylla, two members of the legume family and two members of the mahogany family. And because we can expect some species-specific or interspecific differences in the tolerance to compacted soils or, or soil volume, it would be best if we made uh, species-specific comparisons between uh, these two physical soil properties and tree growth. So uh, from here on out, we'll just take a look at those top four species. Uh, here are some descriptive statistics of the um, different uh, mean bulk density measurements we uh, obtained for the different regions and different depths of Singapore. Uh, a couple of things that are worth uh, pointing out at this point are uh, that the highest bulk density measurement was obtained uh, in every region at the middle depth. So we kind of had the highest bulk density uh, between 30 and 50 centimeters, the lower bulk density at the, the higher, uh, this, the kind of the second highest measurement between zero and 30 centimeters and the lowest uh, below 50 centimeters. That perhaps to me seems a little bit counterintuitive. We would expect a, a skin of more highly compacted soil at the, the upper layer of uh, the soil profile, but um, we, didn't, we didn't find that. Um, and perhaps one explanation for this is that um, roads are often uh, constructed by removing topsoil and uh, removing the O and A layer from uh, the site uh, working on the B layer, which then during construction could be more highly compacted by uh, traffic of all sorts. And then topsoil is then reintroduced to the site for uh, horticultural and amenity planting. So that's perhaps my hypothesis as to why we're observing higher bulk densities or more highly compacted soils at the, the middle depth. But perhaps you also can think of some other reasons, or I'm sure that there are other some, some other hypotheses as well. Um, you can tell that no, also that no mean uh, bulk density measurements uh, exceeded that uh, 1.5 grams per cubic centimeter uh, limit established earlier. Uh, so perhaps uh, none of the average values are exceeding that um, root inhibition level, but uh, some individual values uh, have, although the means um, are not. 
So uh, with that in mind, let's take a look at some of the comparisons within each individual species. We'll start off with uh, the two uh, legumes, and then we'll move into the, the two uh, mahogany species. Uh, the first species we'll take a look at is uh, rain tree. This is a member of the legume family. It's native to the dry forests and savannas of Central and, and Northern South America. It's at maturity a very uh, medium to large uh, tree growing up to about 25 meters tall with, a, with an open uh, umbrella-shaped canopy. This is a very iconic species um, in Singapore. Um, if you've ever driven from the airport to the Central Business District, you've certainly traveled down a road that's uh, planted with these trees, and it's very, um, very lovely. It's got a kind of a green archway uh, above uh, both directions of traffic. Uh, it's, a, it's a really nice tree. Here's some descriptive statistics regarding the, the growth measurements, uh, leaf chlorophyll content, and the roadside verge widths in which it was planted uh, that we measured during our, our sampling. You can see that in terms of uh, absolute diameter growth, uh, the average uh, six-month absolute diameter growth averaged at 0.2 centimeters, ranging between zero and 2.6 centimeters. Uh, height growth averaged about 0.4 meters, ranging between zero and 1.1 uh, meters. You can see there also the transformed uh, values for uh, relative diameter growth rate and, and relative height growth rate. Uh, the leaf chlorophyll content averaged about 45 uh, SPAD units for this species, ranging between 19.3 and 59.8 SPAD units. And the roadside verge width was on average uh, 6.4 meters for this specimen, ranging between 2.4 and, and 14.6. The, the, the verge width of the tree planting strip is actually specified to be uh, at least five meters, but um, that is obviously uh, subject to the site-specific uh, design limitations during road construction, so that often varies widely, even though it's, uh, the, the mean value will often be around five meters. If we take a look at the scatter plots, um, the, the relationship between uh, verge width and uh, diameter relative growth rate and then bulk density, and diameter relative growth rate, what we can tell here is that um, there's no uh, real significant relationship between these two variables and the, the diameter growth. What we'd perhaps expect is a, is a strongly positive relationship between uh, verge width and diameter growth. We would expect intuitively that as a tree has uh, more soil volume to exploit uh, with its root system, we would see uh, more high uh, growth rates or diameter growth rates in this case. Uh, we're seeing a very weak positive uh, correlation based on the trend line, but the data is not really clustering in any meaningful trend there. So we're not able to affirm our assumptions in this case. Uh, for the relationship between bulk density and diameter relative growth rate, what we would expect is a, a negative relationship between these two variables. The null hypothesis would be you know, uh, a, a very strong uh, negative relationship between bulk density and, and diameter relative growth rate. We would expect that more highly compacted soils, the plant growth would suffer. We would see lo lower um, growth rates. And again, we're, we're not seeing that uh, in this case. Um, uh, I'll, I'll talk about some possible explanations for this um, and uh, all of the species at the end uh, of this section as well. Uh, we can also take a look at the, the relationship between bulk density and foliar chlorophyll content uh, based on the results of uh, fair earlier, we would expect that uh, foliar chlorophyll content would decrease at increasing bulk densities. We would again expect a, uh, a negative relationship, that as the trees perhaps become more stressed and more highly compacted soils, 
we would see uh, lower foliar chlorophyll contents. And the scatter plot for uh, this uh, particular species, uh, again, does not agree. Uh, it does not prove our assumption. Um, so each one of those individual dots uh, is uh, the relationship between these two variables for one tree. Uh, perhaps I should have mentioned that earlier. Okay, so that, that's rain tree. Our assumptions are not, not proven correct in that case. For yellow flame, this is a, a member of the legume family again, native to uh, areas within Southeast Asia and uh, Northern Australia. Overall, it's a, a medium tree uh, at maturity, growing up to about 20 meters tall with an open uh, irregular canopy. Here are some of the descriptive statistics. Again, uh, the same kind of list that you saw earlier for rain tree. Um, not any big differences between the uh, growth rates for this species and the previous species. Uh, foliar chlorophyll content, the, the mean value is about the same, with a little bit more uh, variability for uh, yellow flame. Uh, again, roadside verge width is, is centered on about uh, six meters, ranging between 2.8 and, and 15 meters. Here's a scatter plot for um, uh, yellow flame, the same two variables and their relationship between uh, verge width, diameter relative growth rate and bulk density and, and diameter relative growth rate. Um, so a similar story is beginning to emerge with this particular species. Uh, we're not seeing any significant relationships uh, in a manner that uh, affirms our assumptions for uh, either verge width or bulk density, although the, the direction of the uh, data is uh, positive, which is what we'd expect for verge width. Uh, it's not significant and um, the, the, the direction of the trend for uh, bulk density is simply um, uh, in opposite of what we'd expect, what we'd anticipate for this, uh, this comparison. Uh, however, uh, for the relationship between bulk density and, and leaf chlorophyll content uh, here, we would expect uh, a very strong uh, negative correlation between these two variables. We're, we're seeing uh, kind of a weak negative correlation. So here, uh, the data is kind of trending in the right direction, although uh, it's, uh, it's not a significant uh, correlation between these two variables. So uh, perhaps here this is uh, a species that is uh, a little bit uh, more sensitive to bulk density in terms of its uh, physiology, although uh, we weren't able to capture a significant relationship in this study. Okay, Senegal mahogany. This is a species uh, from the mahogany family. Uh, it's native to sub-Saharan Africa. It's a pretty big uh, species at uh, maturity, growing up to about 30 meters tall with a dense uh, dark green rounded crown. Again, you can see the, the species or the specimens there from uh, Yochu Kang Road. Uh, here are the descriptive statistics uh, for this particular species, uh, the, the diameter and height growth rates that we measured, the leaf chlorophyll content, and also the uh, roadside verge width. Uh, one thing that's perhaps uh, note worthy about uh, this table is the, the negative values obtained for the both absolute and relative height growth measurements. Um, that's not an error. We were actually measuring uh, decreases in height for this particular species. Um, and that's because we have a tendency in Singapore to top this tree. So at some point, <laughs> at some point, <laughs> uh, between our first measurement and our second measurement, um, our, our contractors came in and removed uh, about five or six meters from the, from the tops of these trees. So unfortunately, this is kind of the reality of doing field uh, research uh, in a place like Singapore. You have to deal with these kinds of complications. And if we could make this comparison in a very nice, um, you know, kind of well-controlled field plot, perhaps we would see more 
uh, more significant results. But because we're kind of conducting this research in a very realistic environment, oftentimes uh, we're, we're kind of limiting our, our analytical abilities in some, in some cases. So if we take a look at the results for um, Kaya, the results seem to uh, confirm our assumptions. Uh, we, we're, we're able to see uh, the data trending in a direction that we would expect uh, for the, the different relationships in terms of uh, both verge width and bulk density. Um, I, I ran a regression analysis that seemed uh, at least appropriate uh, for, uh, for these two comparisons, and it was significant. So in, in this case, we are seeing uh, a significant, significant positive correlation between uh, verge width and diameter relative growth rate and a significant negative correlation between uh, bulk density and diameter relative growth rate. So here, it seems like um, Kaya is kind of responding, at least within uh, the specimens that we assess within our study in the way that we would expect. So that's, that's some good news. Oh, or bad news, depending on how you view it. Um, this is the last species. This is uh, Honduras mahogany, um, uh, also a member of the mahogany family, native to the, the dry tropical forests of uh, Central and Northern South America and uh, also a fairly large uh, tree growing at maturity up to about 30 meters tall with a dense um, oblong canopy shape. I should mention also, uh, we weren't able to make the comparison between leaf or foliar chlorophyll content and uh, bulk density for the earlier species for Kaya uh, because um, the tree is often limbed up very high uh, and we are doing our uh, sample collections with a pole pruner in the field. So we weren't able to get enough measurements for that particular species to make a good comparison. Uh, although we were able for, for most of the other species. So here's the descriptive statistics for uh, Honduras mahogany. Um, slightly lower uh, diameter growth rates, slightly higher uh, height growth rates than for the other species. Um, again, the chlorophyll content on average is about the same uh, for the other species. I didn't do any comparisons there, but it's about the same metric. And um, again, roadside verge width is averaging about six uh, six meters, uh, ranging between 1.6 all the way up to, to 25 meters. So for uh, Honduras mahogany, the comparison is more or less the same as the, the first two legume species we looked at. They're kind of not trending in, in the way that we would expect. Um, we see a lot of uh, variability in the data at all uh, verge widths measured and also at many of the different bulk density measurements we obtained. We saw uh, no growth rates in some specimens and fairly high growth rates in others. Uh, the same is true again for this species in terms of its uh, leaf chlorophyll content and the, the bulk density measurements. We're not, uh, we were not able to see any uh, significant meaningful relationship uh, between these two variables for this, uh, for this particular species. Now, uh, what does that mean? I mean, we, you know, that's just one example of the kinds of comparisons that we can make on a species-specific basis uh, in terms of some of the, the soil quality uh, measurements that we're able to take uh, from these roadside environments and compare them with uh, street tree performance. So my interpretation of, of that kind of comparison is that perhaps uh, there's sufficient genotypic plasticity or um, uh, tolerance or adaptability for uh, rain tree, yellow flame, and the Honduras mahogany, uh, that they're simply able to tolerate all of the conditions that we characterized uh, within this particular study. That's not to say that there are not some other um, conditions that would perhaps inhibit those uh, species. We simply didn't capture them here. Uh, uh, in contrast, perhaps uh, Chia senegalensis is a bit more uh, intolerant. It's not quite as adaptable. Perhaps its native range is a little bit more constricted and uh, 
the specimens that we're planting cannot tolerate uh, as well as the other uh, species uh, the range of folk densities and, and soil volumes um, that, uh, that we're characterizing in this study. So uh, just some conclusions here. Among the, the four evaluated species that we took a look at, the mean six-month diameter growth rates would range between uh, 0.2 and 0.4 centimeters and height growth between 40 and 90 centimeters. That means on an annual basis, perhaps you'd get somewhere between uh, a half and one centimeter of secondary growth. That seems to be intuitively about correct. Um, between um, a little bit less than one to a little bit less than two meters of, of height growth. Um, again, no relationship between bulk density and roadside verge width and the first, uh, the, uh, the kind of first two and last species. And then we did find some significant results uh, for the, the third tree species. Um, for the relationship between bulk density and uh, leaf chlorophyll measurements, uh, we didn't really find any significant relationships in any of the species, but at least for, for yellow flame, we're seeing uh, the data trending in, in one particular way uh, that we would expect. Um, so uh, this is just kind of, like I said, one example of the kinds of comparisons that uh, we're excited uh, to be able to make uh, in Singapore, uh, although uh, before this point, we're really relying kind of exclusively on uh, years of um, experience and uh, anecdotal observations. We're getting towards the point now where we'll at least be able to make uh, some objective comparisons between uh, how trees are performing and uh, in the, uh, at least among the different soil types that, that we're dealing with in Singapore and the, the range of conditions that you can expect uh, within this highly uh, modified anthropogenic uh, environment. This concludes Daniel Bircham's discussion on improving rooting conditions for street trees in Singapore. If you would like to learn more about the relationship between urban soils and street trees, you can find additional materials at the ISA website, including the CD, Introduction to Arboriculture, Soils and Water, and the book, Up by Roots, Healthy Soils and Trees in the Built Environment. If you would like to receive CEUs for today's talk, the code for this lecture is SA 5869. Again, SA5869. If you have other topics that you would like us to provide podcasts for, please feel free to contact Luana Vargas at the ISA office in Champaign, Illinois, or me, Tom Smiley, at the Bartlett Tree Research Laboratory. Remember to subscribe to this podcast series and join us next time for another episode of Science of Arboriculture. Trees, you know we can work together and learn what we need to meet the challenge. Traditional skills and modern techniques. Whatever language you speak, you have a world to offer every day. Climb with the ISA. 